2: blog talk radio it's time for the roots and roots show with your host greg Rashid, bringing you history and music from the black american diaspora greg and his guests goal is to root the show's information in your family <clears throat> providing you the roots to expand knowledge within your community now here's your host greg Rashid.
0: Well, I want to say good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you are listening to the program. This is Greg Rashid, with another edition of the Root & Root Show. Uh, A lot of folks that listen to the show, they listen at their convenience. They go online and listen to various uh, sites like Facebook, iHeart. But a lot of folks listen on Sundays at 3 p.m. Mountain Time on KUHSdenver.com. Created by the one and only the great Henry Archer Letter. I want to say hi to all my friends in Colorado. I hope you enjoy the music today because this show, and I'm going to give out the number. The number here is 563 999 3479. 563 999 3479. But I think this is a show that I really want you just to dance and have a good time and learn. You know, you always learn on this show, but to really just learn some knowledge about music you may not know about. You may, you know, learn something new about this music. And the music I'm talking about today is that we're going to have a discussion and a party because during this pandemic, we're just going to party here. We're going to do that. And I I think I got the uh, party DJ, at least the book is, will make you want to be a DJ for the music. And I'm talking about the name of the book is Women in Jamaican Music. The author is Heather Augustine. She's a continuing lecturer in the English department at Purdue Northwest. And she's written a number of books on Jamaican music and Scott. And this book is on McFarland Press. Excellent book. I just, you know, this book, actually, I'd have to do a series of shows to really, really represent this book and what you've done. And I want to compliment you, first off, Heather, for the pioneering work you've done. And just glad that you did this. and happy that you're on the show today. Well, thank you so much thank for you. doing I'm this honored. book.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, yeah I, I'm honored to I'm honored to have you. Well, thank you so much. And I want to know, first of because one thing I didn't catch in your book, what made you just decide to really concentrate as you feel Jamaican music, be it ska, reggae, blue beat, et cetera? What, where did you start the process? And when you decided, you know, what made you get into it?
1: Sure. Well, I think. I mean like most people I just fell in love with the music and then I think that just kind of the way I am by nature I like to take a deep dive into the things that I really have a passion for and so when I wanted to find more information about what was my entry point which was ska um, there wasn't anything I mean there weren't any books written on it there wasn't anything um, this was before the internet um, that I wanted to to research and discover. Um, and so I thought, well, boy, I really um, have kind of my work cut out for me. Maybe I'll just go ask the artists themselves. And at that time, this was like in the mid-'90s, you know, a lot of these people were still alive. Um, and so I first started my research back then in 1995, um, and I just <clears throat> fell in love with the culture um I've I've been fortunate enough to have been able to travel to Kingston a few times and um have been able to um kind of embrace the culture even more um by seeing the land and and kind of you know eating the foods and just really immersing myself in the culture and right. so um yeah and that was kind of it and then I, so it's just kind of my expression of appreciation
0: and really this book is a just a a love song to the women, and not only women, but everyone mm-hmm. who's connected mm-hmm. with Jamaican music. And I want, you know, some of these artists I know because I've been in doing music and you know, radio and t- TV shows for ages, but some of these folks right, I really right. didn't know. It. One thing, one person I didn't know, and you have to talk about her first, but she's not even at the beginning of the book. It's near the end of the book. You get into the champions. I want you to tell my listeners about Sister Iggy. Because that's that's an oh, important person.
1: Oh yeah! Thank you for for identifying that. So Sister Ignatius was a nun, hence sister, and she her name is uh, is Margaret Davies um, What's her real name. So she um, she at the age of I think nineteen became a nun. And this was back in, you know, the, the, the 40s, I think 39 was maybe when she first became a nun at Alpha Boys School. She saw that these boys who went to Alpha Boys School, which at that time was a school for what they called wayward boys. So there were boys that maybe got into a little bit of trouble. They were truant, to their you know normal schools they had become some of the wards of the state and they were sent there uh, by the government and so they uh, boarded there and they they got an education they learned a trade so they would learn bricklaying or uh, printmaking or gardening or tailoring and one of the trades was music back in the 50s 40s 50s 60s they could earn a living by being a jazz musician because tourists would come to Kingston to hear the music that was popular in the 40s. It was the big band jazz orchestras. And so she saw, Sister Ignatius saw, that they could learn to play a horn, then they could have a job throughout their life that would feed their family. And so she um, obtained instruments through the archdiocese. She hired uh, band leaders that were top-notch. Um, that had been and studied you have to understand Jamaica was colonized by by Britain until 1962 and so she would bring um, musicians who had trained at the the Royal Hall in, in England and so they were learning classical music it was a very rigid um, education in music and so um, by the time they left these musicians were highly sought after by the big band leaders. And so they could gain employment and it was very professional. Um, Jamaica was also segregated in these days too. So the black musicians would have to um, come through the back entrance of many of these clubs to play for all white patrons who were wealthy, who were tourists, barristers, um, things of that nature. So it was a very um, difficult
0: Just like in this country time. with the cotton clothes, Absolutely. same thing.
1: Exactly, exactly, and like the Chitlin Circuit and all that, absolutely. So um, this was, um, then, then the music, though, that they, they knew, they were playing jazz standards, so kind of cover songs. But at night, a number of them, after they would play in the clubs, would go to the Warica Hills. Where the Rasta clubs were, and this was in the '50s, so this was like the kind of the early days, and you know the Rastas were definitely, you know, oppressed by, um, by society, by the police. So they would seek refuge in the Warrika Hills, and they started to develop their own music um, by blending the jazz that they learned from Sister Iggy and and, and the clubs, with the bùru drumming of the the Rastafari um brethren who gathered in the hills and so that then became kind of a a blend that that also was influenced by american rhythm and blues you know like sam cook and and roscoe gordon and all these guys they're hearing this music from america because they can pick it up on their radio station and then there's also indigenous mento music which is very similar to Calypso in many ways. And so all of that blends in the hills when they're just free form playing music and they're communing with one another. And that really becomes the basis of ska music, rock steady, and later reggae. So without Sister yeah, Ignatius, I, mean, I mean one could easily argue that we might not have uh, reggae or Bob Marley. Who's so that yeah, I mean, really. Wh-
0: and I did not realize that until I read your book and also the fact that she would actually pick up instruments and play. Yeah. And would also play right. soccer with box.
1: Yep. Yeah, she was a bit of a tomboy. And she loved her boys so deeply that I mean she was she was light skinned, but she was like Guyanese and um and white. And so she 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 was a Jamaican blend, you know, she was really Jamaican, but, but light skin, essentially what we would consider white, but all of these boys considered her, this white woman, their mother, they called her mom and they would they would keep in touch with her for the rest of their lives. And, um, so, I mean, she loved them so deeply. And so when she wanted to teach them how to box, she put on a pair of gloves. And she was she was a, she was she was a tomboy. When she wanted to teach him to play saxophone, she would pick up a saxophone. She played cricket. I mean, she she was pretty badass. I <laughs> hey, I'm surprised, you know, so,
0: maybe there has been one, but there needs to be a documentary or a movie about there because this. I mean, her story
1: well,
0: is incredible. We're
1: working on that. <laughs> we're okay, working okay. on okay. We'll put it that. Way. Have to get you back on here.
0: Let's <laughs> say next year, get you back on to talk about that one. No, that's
1: something. Good. That sounds good, we got to tell deal.
0: me, you know, tell my listeners about some of the folks that were in, you know, at the school, because these are, for the, those of you who yeah. know reggae, you know the music, you'll know some of these names. Some of you will learn these names right. for the first time, but mention some of these folks.
1: Okay, so mem- a number of members of the Scatolite. So we've got, uh, we've got uh, Lester Sterling, and his brother went there as well. Um, right. We've got Don Drummond. Who was oh, yeah. the premier? Yeah, the premier trombonist. I wrote a biography of him because uh, his his life was uh, w- was pretty tragic. He suffered from mental illness and and those he he ended up murdering his his girlfriend. But he was a uh, genius trombonist, and he went yeah. to school there. And he he left in 1950, and he was very very close with Sister Ignatius. Um, then we have Tommy McCook who led the Scatolites, because the Scatellites then were known as Tommy McCook and the Scatolites. So he left, I think, in about 1943. Uh, but he was uh, he and Don Drummond were really the the kind of the backbone of the Scatellites. Um, and the Scatellites backed up a number of musicians in the studio. So at Studio One or Treasure Isle, uh, Prince Buster's Voice of the People, they would back up many of the artists. Um, so Bob Marley on his very first recordings on Judge Not, One Cup of Coffee, that's the Scatellites playing the music back up there. So without the Alpha Boys and the Alpha Boys School, you see, could Bob Marley have done what he did?
0: That's right. Um, and and but listeners anyway, may not yeah. realize this, that Bob Marley, when they when he started out, he was kind of his group was kind of like a Temptations for top exactly type of An group.
1: Impressions, yeah, yeah. exactly, kind of like the Impressions, like a Curtis Mayfield kind of thing. Right. But you know, and they were backed up by the Scatolites, and um, you know, so it he, he was Scott. at first he yeah. was Scott when you listen to that early stuff. But but there are so many musicians that came through Alpha that were brought under the the, the tutelage. Of of Sister Ignatius. So, like, as far back as, like, Bertie King, who was a very, very famous jazz musician in Jamaica. And he led his own orchestra. Um, but there were, um, like, Johnny Dizzy Moore. He was also with the Scatolites. A oh, trumpeter. Really. Um, yeah. I mean, and then, you know, even in the modern era, your listeners might be more familiar with somebody like a Johnny Osborne or Tony Gregory. Um, Yellow Man you know, the dub artist, Um, and uh, Apple Gabriel, who just died a few months ago, um, not of COVID, but during the COVID era, Apple Gabriel, um, and, uh, you know, he was certainly a Cedric I.M. Brooks.
0: Right. Um,
1: So, and uh, there's just so many that... So um, so many of these folks. Yeah, and we actually, I wrote with a co-author, I actually wrote a book on all those musicians at Alpha, too, because it's really astounding. Um, you know, it's its what we call the cradle of Jamaican music.
0: I mean, it's yeah, it's really something, uh, Heather. And listeners, you can join in the conversation, 563-999-3479. But I want y'all dancing. You're probably saying, we're well, not playing any music <laughs> yet. I'm about to. I'm About to, and I'm talking with Heather Augustine, the author of the great book Women in Jamaican Music on McFarland Press. Now, you mentioned Don Drummond, and I wanted to start this off with the uh Queen of Rumba, Rumba, because it's a sad story, oh, yes. but and I want you to you know to just talk a little bit about her, and I'm going to play a cut of hers, uh, Women, w- Woman of Come,
1: right? And this song she wrote the lyrics to. Um, I actually have a copy of the original hanging on my wall. Um, oh, wow. She's kind of she's kind of my, my muse. Um, but this is the Baba Brooks band that's backing her up, many of the members of of the Scanlight. Oh, I didn't even say her name. Mar- oh, you say her
0: name too. I didn't even yes. say her name.
1: Margarita Margarita is her Rumba name, her stage name, but her real name was Anita Mafood, M A H F O O D. And she was a rumba dancer that was, you know, meant to attract crowds. That was common then, um, in the 50s and the six, uh, the you know, first half of the 1960s. Um, and so she would be the kind of the attraction, and the band would play. So uh, what? ended up happening is she was one of the artists who would commune in the Warica Hills after the clubs had closed. And she became very close with many of the brethren in the hills, um, including Don Drummond, which is how the two of them ended up together tragically. But she refused to dance at some of these clubs unless they played, they allowed the, um, the drummers from the Warica Hills, which was Count Assi, and uh, and and his group of drummers. Um she refused to dance unless they played. Now this was a big big deal because they were ostracized. They were oppressed. They were Rastafari, so they were not allowed to be in these upper class clubs. And she said right. if they don't play, I don't play. And so that's how she was able to kind of cross the class divide by bringing this, you know, African sound to the upper classes, and so she, we really owe her a great debt because she was able to, I think, kind of introduce the Rasta sound, which, as we know, later became reggae.
0: That's it. So let's hear right now Margarita and Woman I Come on the Root & Root Show.
2: Ayata, your daughter, from Venturian border, I come.
0: You know, woman, I come. And I'm interviewing right now Heather Augustine, author of the great book, Women in Jamaican Music. And, I, man, I just love that.
1: That, that is something. You know, and, you know and every time I listen to, to these songs, I hear something different, you know, that I've never noticed before. But to me, when I listen to that song, some people describe it as, you know, kind of off-key or kind of strange. And here's my thought. It's really that she's singing one song. And the band is kind of playing another song, and I don't think they're following her chord changes, personally. So. But um, <laughs> they're not. That's what makes her yeah, so good. I know it's two different worlds. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that really does describe Margarita so well. She really did live in two different worlds. She was an upper class girl, middle upper class. Her her father was a fish a fish market owner a business person. She was Lebanese. And um and then she left that world really to go live with the Rastra the Rastra uh Rastra brethren in the hills, in the Waringa Hills. And um she she really led kind of a, a very sad life because she ended up um like I said before being murdered by Don yeah. Drummond. Um she was stabbed to death. So it was a, a very sad story. Um, but luckily we still have her voice, we still have her music, and uh, she certainly influenced these musicians, that's for sure.
0: Are there any videos
1: of her? There are. There is one video ah. of her, and it's from 1955. It was a, um, a very short film that was made. <laughs> this is going to sound strange, but it was an educational film to warn um, the Jamaican population of the dangers of syphilis. And so it was one of those, like, newsreels. And so they had staged, yeah, they staged a scene of uh, a club, a nightclub, you know, where people are, you know, being carefree and letting their inhibitions go to the wind. And she is a rumba dancer that is featured, you know, as the entertainment in, in the club. And so we have about, you know, I don't know, maybe 15 seconds of her Dancing in a rumba costume that she made herself. She she sewed her own costume, and um, and she was self-taught. And so it's really, I think, a glimpse of of the spirit that once was.
0: That that's something because yeah, listening to her sing, I was thinking the whole yeah. time I was like you have to see her dancing to really
1: get into. <laughs> it. I,
0: I was imagining. Yeah, her, that yeah. sounds.
1: That's, that sounds like a euphemism for it. <laughs> but you yeah. know what, I don't think, I'm listening to her, and she's not off, here's my perspective, no. she's not off-key, the band is.
2: <laughs> they are, so, they
1: definitely um, are. But, yeah, because but she's singing a whole different song.
0: He definitely is. But the next person, mm-hmm. this is what I first learned as a kid, 10 years old, as I learned about music. I didn't know what it was then. I didn't hear the name Scars. Right. I got to college in the seventies, but this is the first sure. Scott song I ever heard. And until I read your book, I didn't realize that this was called, I think, Blue Beat back then. And the minute in I played England. it, a lot of folks would, yeah. And um, people will know this song, and mm-hmm. they hear it immediately because they use it in commercials still. It's 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 around still. Oldies. Of, You're right. Radio show everywhere you'll hear the song, and i 'm talking about my boy Lollipop by Millie Small, and i 'm going to play that right now, yeah. and we 'll get back and you can tell us about Millie so let 's hear my Boy Lollipop by Millie Small. Some of you listeners out there that are younger that song in sixty was sixty four was a worldwide giant hit that thing yeah threw everyone off As i you know i'm just I'm in elementary school and I remember our class in washington d c just excited about that song when they first you know friends of mine <laughs> we first heard that thing like what it you know, <laughs> cause the beat was we had never heard that beat before we had right never heard it's that. catchy
1: mhm so it is.
0: And it's still around. But talk yeah. a little bit about Millie Millie Small, because she, I didn't know how you know what she you know what she did after that song, because you really don't hear much about her in this country. But yeah, talk a little about her. No,
1: yeah. So she was born in a really tiny little village, essentially um, near Milk River, and so she was just you know she came from poverty, really a very poor family, but she could sing, and she entered into a talent show that was really popular in Kingston um, called the Veer Johns Opportunity Hour. And it was kind of like, um, you know, like, you know, like one of these uh, reality shows that kind of launches people's m- music careers If the, the right. public votes them like number one, you know, then they are the champion and they get like a cash prize. Well, she ended up doing that. And um, and got the attention of uh, of Cox and Dodd, who ran Studio One, and so he recorded her, and um, she started recording as was popular in those days as part of a duet, and so he would Cox and Dodd would part you know pair her with uh, a number of prominent. Uh, male voices like Roy Panton and um, and Owen Gray and um, and she she became kind of a duet singer and so then one of her songs that she sang with with Roy Panton called Will Meet became pretty popular and it caught the ear of um, in in England who is he was in England at the time Chris Blackwell now, this, this guy went on to produce Bob Marley. He was the one that put Bob Marley really kind of on the world map. Um, and then, of course, he, you know, went on to um, produce U2 and um, big, you know, big bands like that. But she was really his first big sensation. He heard that song, Well will Meet, and he said, I love the sound of this girl's voice. And I say girl because she was 16. She was 16 at the time, and so he said he told um, two of his partners back in in, uh, Kingston where he had once lived and done business, get this girl up here to London. I'm going to make her hit. And so they had to go through all kinds of things in order to get her a passport and permission from her parents in order to get her up to, to London. Um, but they did, and that's when he had her record another song first. But then uh, he had her record My Boy Lollipop, which had previously been a hit for, for Barbie Gay. So, uh, which I didn't know until I read the book.
0: I thought, I thought this was mm-hmm. an original song.
1: And I was surprised no. when
0: I read the book. I said, "What?" No. And I looked it up. Said, yeah, yeah. Barbie Gay. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it really didn't do much for for Barbie Gay, but um, I think you know Millie's Millie's voice is is really um, distinctive. You know, it is it's effervescent, it's bubbly, um, and so it it just became this huge immediately. And so she, like you said um it was popular all over the world she started touring um you know she came to the united states she when she came back to jamaica during the later in 1964 um, the airport i guess was just absolutely swarmed with fans um it wasn't it was second to when haley selassie came um in 66 but apparently she oh, yeah. was the A big deal and there were parades for her big events for her the prime minister came and presented her with um you know awards of appreciation and a film crew came to to film her and i mean it was just she really helped put jamaica on the map and she really helped put jamaica music on the map because that song my boy lollipop was covered by everybody i mean even in you know mexico and in uh, Europe, Eastern Europe. I mean, everybody was covering this song. And, and so, I, I
0: can say uh, you, you this, because I, I, you may not know this, uh, I don't think you know this, Heather, but I've been living for the past mm-hmm. three years. I'm here in the States briefly, but I've been living in Thailand. And I've heard the song. Oh, oh, I, you know, oh I've i gone to reggae God. clubs, <laughs> Thailand, Laos, yeah. and you will hear, Sky, you'll hear, you know, at these reggae clubs, everything. Yeah. And every now and then you'll hear this, and you'll hear, Sometimes a Thai person, someone in Lao, trying to sing a song. That's
1: how big. Wow. Venue. Yeah. She. Yeah. She was really something. I mean, and then a couple years after that, she um, she toured. You know, she continued to record, but none of none of the songs became as popular as that one. But um, but she toured. You know, New Zealand, Australia, Singapore, Kenya, Uganda. Uh, Ghana, Norway, Sweden, Denmark everywhere. Um and then she um she kind of, you know, she continued to record in 69 in 70, she continued to record a little bit, but none of the none of the songs had um that kind of an impact as as no. that that song did and still does.
0: It you does it certainly does. I mean that song is incredible. And it's just mm-hmm. like, I, you know, just reading about her and not knowing that because I just thought she did the song, did a little tour in this country, in Britain, and that was it. But she had a long career. Wow. She had a she long did. career. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: She did. She, she lived the rest of her days out in London. We lost her, unfortunately, on May 5th. Um, and so, yeah, she passed away on May 5th of just this year. And, and in fact, Tuesday, would have been, this coming Tuesday, would have been her 74th birthday.
0: Wow. Yeah, but she,
1: boy, did she make her mark on this world, I'll tell you.
0: She certainly did. We're going to get to another person here. By the way, listeners, I'm talking with Heather Augustine, the author of this book, Women in Jamaican Music. And one thing I'm glad you said at the intro of your book, you mentioned the fact that there are, it's probably you're quoting someone else saying there may be like five hundred books about Bob Marley, right? But
1: right. as far yeah, as Rogers the women, in, told me that
0: yes. But as far as women in Jamaican music, there's really nothing. there Really, wasn't anything out there. You see these little no. brief little bios and other books or something, right. but nothing extensive like this. And right, and the book, it's I mean, not
1: for a lack of women. There's plenty right. of
0: women that did big things, yeah. That's it. And we're going to get to one of them right now. And some of my listeners may not know, Doreen Schaefer, and she's with the Sc- mm. Scatter And talk a little bit about Doreen That's before right. I play this song.
1: Sure. Well, Doreen, you know, <laughs> Doreen still tours today, uh, pre-COVID. Um, she still tours um, with them, and she is one of the very original members of the Scatlights but people don't really give her credit because I right. guess she's a vocalist not because she's I don't know I'm in a, I don't know I don't want to make assumptions but um, she is the last living member of the Scatlights that still tours with them Man uh, we do have yeah yeah she's she's pretty amazing and her she was born Monica How How old is, is she She won't tell you <laughs> she wouldn't tell me she wouldn't tell me when she was born or anything so but you know I would estimate maybe mid to upper 70s but she um, yeah she won't no way Mm-mm, you don't ask this lady her age so no. <laughs> but she well, um, she recorded as a vocalist through really all eras she did ska, rocksteady, reggae and when the Scatolites came a number of the members of them had moved up to New York. She went to go see them in like 19, I think it was like 1992 or 93, in the early 90s. She went to go see them in New York, and uh, and, and and they said, you've got to come on tour with us. So it, she's been with them ever since the, uh, the early 90s again. Um, but before that, she was doing a lot of her own solo work. So it was um, – you know she the Scandalites hadn't been around as a, a band uh, a, a group um for a number of years so right. um that's why she wasn't with them but you know she they would play sporadically maybe like in you know in 83 they played at the Sunsplash festival and and she was part of their part of that and part of that reunion um but in in the early 90s is when they got back together with you know Roland Alfonso and Lloyd Nib and Lloyd Brevett yeah. and and Lester Sterling, and Tommy McCook, and, and Doreen Schaefer. So she, she um, sings a number of songs uh, with them when you go. I've seen her a, at least a half a dozen times, and she does all the classics. Um, she,
0: well, I'm going to you know, play that, that right now. That she sang now, on um, back in the day. Yeah, I'm going to play uh, her with the group of When I Fall in Love. So let's hear this
1: on oh, the Root & Root nice Show. Nice one.
0: All right, thanks.
2: I'll never ever Fall in love again When I fall in love Yeah. you yeah.
0: I just, I almost didn't turn the mic on because I was getting into it too much. <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, I mean, that, uh, that's she's a nice got one. Yeah,
1: really, just, yeah, her voice is incredible, isn't it? It's just so warm. And that's how she is, too. She's just a really warm, sweet woman. It
0: mm-hmm. comes it comes across in the music, you can tell. Mm-hmm. that.
1: And now, mm-hmm.
0: you know, we're going from very nice, kind of wholesome music because a lot of people you know, who are not really into reggae, not into Jamaican music or anything, when they do hear it, they'll say, that's a little too oh, a little too raunchy for me. You know, and it's not, but there are some folks you know, who have been known to play some, you know, do some songs that are a little, you know, they're very sexist <laughs> and very just, you know, crazy, like, you know, Buju Banton, uh, chaba Rankin right. during his day and some other folks, but and this is why I, I'm glad you put this in the in the your book, because this artist I'm about to play we're going you know then you'll talk about her she was doing the same thing that those artists those male artists were doing and she was being attacked and who I'm talking yeah. about is the queen of the queen of the dance hall the, the queen of the the uh, of the wine too the one and only lady saw
2: mm-hmm. and
0: and when I first heard it, I used to tell from friends of mine, they, they would always talk about, and for some of you listeners who may not have heard of Lady Saw, who's now into gospel music, by the way, but um, right. Lady Saw is like Millie Jackson was in her glory. Or like right now with uh, Cardi B and um, right. some of the stuff she's throwing out. But but Lady Saw, <laughs> she, she's got much more challenges from these folks, I tell you. But I'm going <laughs> to play right now, and then we'll talk about it when I come back here. Let's play Lady Saw, Stab Up the Meat. And <laughs> now, I, hope, I hope they don't throw me off the stage, Well, i played worse on here. But let's, let's play that right now. A little <laughs> Lady Saw, some of you never heard of it. Let's hear it right now. Worldwide, you
3: see, if I good fuck a man, Who a big up on a hood, come me cut us there, weird no man. I have to hear me one one on a link. Watch this, a man. Stop on me, meet man. Watch this. Me here, you can grind good and you can fuck sweet. Stop on me, meet. Stop on me, meet the big hood where you have a man, yellow to of straight. Stop on me, meet. that. You old time got them, feed on, can you do? Teddy fuck where you give them bring your. You want to feel it, too so just grind it. Me no care how you treat, it, just be with me
2: too If me get driven, I won't mention you Just the vocal alone and then me gamble, me with Because you can grind good and you can fuck.
0: my last show here on KUHS, but I enjoyed the uh, <laughs> ten years of being. <laughs> but anyway, that's the one and only Lady Saw and uh to tell, tell my listeners a little about we won't we won't translate some of the stuff she was saying, but no. I think you can guess. No, no,
1: yeah. But
0: yeah, but talk about uh Lady Saw yes. and her the whole <laughs> thing about the reggae reggae music in particular, dance hall and how the males can get away with this stuff, but even now today, because that song is like I think nineteen, the late eighties or nineties. But even today, they can still get away with stuff that the women can't get away with. So talk talk a little bit about her.
1: Right. Well, I mean, it's it's easy for me to like you know kind of sit here and play like armchair you know referee and like say you know this is something that, you know, the cult, the culture maybe was responsible for. But I think that the Jamaican culture is um, a little bit more sexist than ours. Um, and so I think that uh, there are a number of women who have written about this really well. Um, and Donna Hope and Carolyn Cooper and Sonia Stanley Naya, I mean, they talk a lot about this, about feminism and masculinity and dance hall. And they kind of – they're really, really good at discussing why um, that the culture, you know, kind of produced um, these particular artists and that they were interpreted the way that they were. But I will say that, you know, it there were artists, male artists, like you had mentioned before, like Bougie Banton, and, you know, there were others like Terror Fabulous and Spraga Benz who really were able to get – away with so much and even if you go as far back as mento and take a look at like uh alert badass i mean he he came out with a mento song called Night Food. I will leave it at that. Um, but yeah. it was, yeah. you know, it was X-rated. A lot of mento music, very X-rated, but it's kind of, you know, it's couched in innuendo. Um, Lady Saw is not innuendo. And, you know, Buju Banton is not innuendo. So you can't really, it's not playful, and it's pretty straightforward. I mean, it's playful, but it's, not, it's pretty sta- straightforward. So right. um, there were a number of male journalists older um who really took offense to her lyrics which were uh tame in comparison to some of the men um so there really was this double standard um i guess that female sexuality was supposed to be hidden um it was not supposed to be um you know put on display but but for a male to do that um, that was seen as prowess and um, and boasting is is you know, kind of part of that, that image. Um, But, I mean, Lady Saw really did, I think, kind of help power a lot of women um, by her, you know, I mean, many, many women have cited her as being one of their influences, uh, women artists. And she definitely, um, you know, collaborated with a lot of of women, too, um, like, you know, Gwen Stefani and No Doubt, and um, there's, I mean, a number of like Missy Elliott and stuff she's recorded with her. And, um, but so it's, and she did realize too, that she didn't, she didn't want to be irresponsible with what she was doing. So she led a lot of like safe sex campaigns and, um, like women's, you know, women's health, um, campaigns. So she really did, I think a lot of good. Um, it wasn't, um, it wasn't done without a sense of responsibility to what she was um, putting out there. We'll, we'll leave it at that, yeah.
0: Yeah, I've always liked Lady it I really think she was mm-hmm. very underrated. You know, just, you know, yeah. again, a lot of folks in this country really don't know her. Unless they listen to someone like a Missy Elliott or No Doubt or something. Yeah. They yeah. really don't know her. And if they did hear some of their songs, they probably didn't even know who, who she was on there. Yeah. You know, but... She,
1: I mean,
0: she's, something, something, she's a DJ. Yeah, she, she she is mm-hmm. just something else. And the thing, you know, something else that you don't really get into in the book in a sense. But talking about the males, there's one other thing in Jamaican music. I don't think it's prominent like it was in the 80s, early 90s. But there was this whole thing about, you know, just bragging about murder. That's what you know. Just, right.
1: Well, yeah, and and, right. Yeah, definitely. And then also a a lot of um, homophobia as well. Right. Um, So, yeah, um, there's been, yeah, a bit of that. And I think that it's not really, luckily, it's not that celebrated anymore. Um, But I mean, it does it is still present. It is still present. I mean, like Ninja Man and, um, vibes cartel. Um, it, it's still, I think, part of it, but, um, I'm not, I'm not sure. I know, like I said, that the, the women who study, um, dance hall more in depth, um, could probably talk a lot about that because I think some of that does go with, um, the masculinity, you know, the culture right. of masculinity in the dance hall too. So.
0: Well, Heather, I just want to, um, I'm just happy that you wrote this book, you know, Women in Jamaican you. Music. And again, it's, you know, Heather Augustine is on McFarland Press. And if anyone wants to reach you or contact you further, because I could sure. do this show, I could do this with another, I mean, I could do a series of shows on reggae music. In fact, I'm <laughs> really considering changing Good. the format of my show when I get back to Asia to maybe just a straight reggae show because we don't have that on K U H F. and I'm really giving yeah. some thought to that and your book is trying yeah. to get me oh, good. in that way because I know there well, are good. a number I'm of glad reggae to hear groups that. yeah there's a number of reggae groups like I, mean, I was saying earlier who I have some of their recordings of t-bones like the biggest one in Thailand and they are you know oh. it's big it's big it's, it's big you know yeah. all over Asia so if anyone wants to right. reach and you I, how can they do that? Oh, go ahead. Yeah,
1: sure. So I have a website um, where I have, I'm not kidding you, probably like three years worth of blog posts uh, where I would blog once a week on anything that would kind of pique my interest. Like if I would hear a lyric, um, I would say, well, what, I wonder what that means. Anyway, I would just go down the rabbit hole and investigate it and research it and find archival you know newspapers. So um, there's plenty of material like that. There's also information in my books, information on me. And the website is SkaBook.com. So S-K-A-B-O-O-K, SkaBook.com. You can also, um, I don't mind putting my email address out there. If anybody would like to email me, I'd love to hear from people and hear how um, my work uh, has, hopefully, this is the goal of my work, is to um, spark and, and inspire other people um, for, for whatever your creative interests are and whatever your passion is. Maybe it's just to listen to the music. Maybe it's to create music. Maybe it's to create a, other art. Email me. I would love to talk to you about it. Uh, my email address is H, and then my last name, which is Augustine, but it's spelled like the month of August, A-U-G-U-S-T-Y-N, as in yes, no, at yahoo.com. So I would love to keep this conversation going. So just, you know, email me and let's keep talking.
0: Yeah, we'll have to get you back on here. I want you to talk about this last artist I'm going to play. Because I got so much music queued up, but they won't, I got a time limit on the show today. So, (laughs) you know, everyone knows this. This song, everyone knows. You know, some people might hear this and say, oh, I didn't know that was, you know, that was a, that's a reggae song. I didn't know what that was. Talk about Marsha Griffith. And her her legacy as far as in Jamaican music and what she you know what she you know her because she's a very all of these women are important but she's very important.
1: She is, yeah. And you know, in Jamaica they say I had to learn this, but in Jamaica they say her name Marcia.
0: Marcia, not Marcia.
1: I I yeah, Marcia. I, I had to a friend had to teach me how to say it and she was laughing at me because I can't I couldn't say it right. I kept saying Marcia. But anyway, she was one of the backup members. Um I mean, well, first of all, before she was even I'm jumping on myself here, before she was even a backup singer, she was part of a, a duo of of um of Bob Andy and Marcia Griffith. So she was uh Bob Andy was her, her duet. Partner, and um, they performed for a number of years, and then she became. Uh, I mean, she was a solo artist too, but she became one of the backup women for Bob Marley, better known as the I Threes. So when Bob Marley and the Whalers, you know, broke up, and the uh, you know, um, Peter Tosh went his direction, and Bunny Livingston went his direction, and and Bob then put together. The 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 group with the three women singers in the background. You've probably seen loads of of footage of them. One of those members is Marcia Griffiths, and so That's she right. became she toured with them, and uh, she she had a baby, a one year old baby, but she would keep touring with them. With with the baby on tour as well, and everybody just embraced the child and helped to raise the child. And so she she really, I think, was was quite astounding in that she was able to have a career and a and and a family at the same time. Uh, but I know what you are can play, and this is what you're yeah. famous for, which you know is a it's a it's a good song, but it's not um you know it's if if I her. were Your listeners, I would go and I would uh, do a little bit of a dive into her music because she's so talented and she still performs. She does, she still performs.
0: This this, this is something, you know, and I don't want to say unfortunately, but this is her legacy. But like you're saying, she's got great music out there. But I want to, you know, I'm playing this because the listeners will know this song and they probably have danced to it and will probably get up and dance to it right now. And I'm talking about the one and only. Electric Boogie, also known as Electric Sly. So Heather, I just want to thank you again for being on the Root and Root Show. I'm gonna have you well, on thank again. You, Greg. you know, and just you oh, stay safe, stay, stay. Yeah, thank you so much. And a great book, but oh, let me my play
1: pleasure.
0: Thank you again, Heather. You take care. I'll be talking to you later. Take take care and be safe.
1: All right, Greg, you too.
0: All right. And we're gonna play right now. Here it comes, the electric boogie, a.k.a. the electric slide, Marcia Griffith, on The Root and Root Show. It's electric! Griffiths and Electric Boogie, also known as the Electric Slide. Yes, played everywhere. That song is over, that is like over four, it's almost 40 years old. And they still play it. Although now, because of the pandemic, I don't know if they're, people are doing electric slide and That's in their own homes or something. Maybe you're doing it now as you listen to this show. But again, I just want to, I'm going to play something before I go out here. I'm going to play a new, cause we were playing, you know, I was playing a lot of older. Music, just to get you an idea of, you know, the history of, you know, women in Jamaican music. And there's so much much music that I can play. But I'm going to play this new one before I get out of here. This is Nadine Sutherland. And I just got this. This is Chatty Chatty. So let's hear this on the Root & Root Show. The show, but we also play music. We have a good time over here, all the time on the Root & Root Show, and I'm getting ready to get out of here. It's Greg Rasheed, and I want to thank, again, Heather Augustine for being on today, the to author of the excellent book Women in Jamaican Music on the Crawling Press, and it's just like you can, like I said, we could do a series of shows with this book. So many artists we didn't cover, so many out there, older ones, newer ones that, you know, that I'm going to have Heather back on here. But anyway, this is Greg Rasheed again. Again, as I always say, go in love and go in peace. And please, if you can help someone in need right now during this pandemic, be it a senior in your neighborhood who needs you to get groceries or, you know, mow a lawn or cut, you know, or rake leaves, shovel snow, wherever you are in this world, if you can do that, and especially if you can help a child, who doesn't have a laptop, doesn't have a computer, and needs that to continue their education. If you can help buy them one, if you have an extra one to give, if you can help them with Wi-Fi in their home, if they don't have that, that would be greatly appreciated. Because we gotta all help each other now. You know, we can you know, everyone everyone in the world, this is something we can say, all of us are involved in this, whether we want to admit it or not. No matter what party you're in or wherever you are in this world, we're all caught up in this pandemic, so we got to help each other. Keep things going and, and show the love. Like the majority of the songs about reggae, all Jamaican music is about love. As Bob Marley said, one love, and that's what we all are, one love. But, again, it's Greg Rasheed. Go on in love and go on in peace. We'll see you next time on the Root & Root Show. Take care, everyone.
2: Thanks for tuning in. See you next time. And remember, spread the knowledge, share the power.
1: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party.
0: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs)